Welcome to the PayFac Embedded Payments Podcast, brought to you by Payrix. As payments and software experts that eat, sleep, and breathe embedded payments, we're as passionate about you as you are about your customers. Each podcast episode will provide insights about embedded payments designed to help you fuel the transformation and growth of your software business. You'll learn from industry experts, Payrix customers, and leaders on the Payrix team about the latest trends, best practices, and real-world guidance from payments experts to help you take your software platform higher. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the PayFac Embedded Payments Podcast brought to you by Payrix and WorldPay. I'm your host, Ian Hillis, and today I'm going to be talking with Andy Meadows, Head of Partner Success at Payrix. We're going to discuss how software companies can build a successful embedded payment strategy. And because this is such an in-depth topic, this is going to be episode one of a multi-part series that's going to allow us to go deep on each pillar of Andy's strategic insights. Andy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. We're excited to have you here. Well, first off, let's tell our audience a little bit about yourself, your software, your background, your payments background, and we'll go from there. Background, 23 years in payments with the better part of the past eight years focused on integrated and embedded payments with a portion of that time actually splitting off and running payments inside the four walls of a SaaS company. So the better part of that 23 years was spent on the acquiring side, both in merchant acquisition, partnership management. But gosh, that two years that I had working for a software company, seeing how a software company thinks about payments, the obstacles, the challenges, the opportunities through the lens of a SaaS company was just extremely beneficial. As I came back, to the broader world pay organization and specifically for the past year and a half have been focused on partner success management within the Payrix line of business. Excellent. And I am selfishly, especially excited. Andy, we've been working together for what, eight years at this point? Eight years. A lot of history and, and I can't think of a better person to be my first guest from hosting this. So Again, thrilled to have you here. Let's jump in. Andy, we've both seen software companies that struggle initially with launching embedded payments. The hope with this upcoming series of conversations is really to provide some topics software companies should think about in advance of getting too far into that payments journey. You and I spent some time brainstorming a host of topics. And I think the first area we decided to jump into here was resourcing and the commitments required for success. So let's break resourcing into a few categories. First, I think the topic of selling makes a lot of sense. What goes into selling payments? What expertise knowledge do you need? What do you need to effectively sell these payments? Let's hop there and we're going to move around a little bit. We'll kick it off with sales. As a software company's taking on the sales motion of an embedded payment solution. I'll be super candid. I think a lot of them underestimate the complexity of selling payments, and that's where they trip up out of the gates as they're trying to launch their new embedded payment solution. And And what are they tripping up on? Any conversation with an end user, i.e. a business or a merchant, is going to involve pricing. And anyone that knows pricing within the payments industry and the complexity of interchange dues, assessments, statement analysis, cost comparisons, knows what I'm talking about. If you're a software company who's adept and has an expertise around selling software, but yet you've never had those conversations around merchant-level payment pricing, the interchange dues assessments I alluded to, the statement analysis I alluded to, you're going to run into roadblocks on day one. And I mean that, day one. The moment you try to pitch an embedded payment solution to your end user, they're going to ask questions and your team needs to be able to answer those questions, address those questions with a level of understanding and confidence that gives them, their end users, the ability to make a buying decision with faith that their 
turning their payments, which, I mean, guys, we all know payments is the lifeblood for any business. So when they turn over their payments solution or their payment processing account to their software provider, they need to have the comfort and the confidence um, that their software provider knows what they're talking about. And that comfort and confidence starts with that sales rep. So, Ian, that's where as I consult a multitude of our partners here at Payrix and previously on the WorldPay side of the house, it really starts with the sales and the sales starts with the ability to understand payments pricing. Makes a lot of sense, Andy. I think one thing that might be helpful to clarify, given the topic at hand, and I'm assuming we're going to go into the strategy of selling in other episodes here, but from a resource perspective, is it the same person in-house? Does the software seller profile match well to being able to do payments? Do you need someone dedicated and separate? Or what's that overlap look like for you historically? I want it to be the same person. Our, our partners want it to be the same person. And the merchant, the end user in kind does as well. Now, that means you've got to bring in somebody with payments expertise to train that one person or that software sales team. What's really critical in executing on a successful embedded payments program is a single selling motion. So Ian, when you ask the question, is it is this a, a differentiated person or a different person that sells payments versus software? That's actually not ideal because you want a single selling motion where payments is a key feature functionality and benefit of your software solution that gets sold as a bundle. But yet, in that process of a person selling it as a bundle, they're still going to have to overcome some of those questions or address some of those questions specific to payments, payments pricing, the feature functionality, the value proposition that payments brings to the overall software solution. So that's where I strongly recommend that a SaaS company who's new to embedded payments and new to owning the sales motion brings in a payments resource that can then serve as that internal kind of trainer or educator around the payments considerations of the sales process, if that makes sense. It does, and you touched upon an important topic there, the overall customer experience. We know that as software companies have evolved, that is the cornerstone of the overall strategy is how to accept customer experiences. What does that take? So if we're thinking about a what is today a software sales rep or bringing expertise, how long does it take to get someone up to speed on that? Is that weeks, months? What have you seen in that area? It depends on the resource they dedicate towards the training effort. So what I mean by that, Ian, is, listen, it's it's one thing to for a company, a software company, to get a hold of a PowerPoint that talks about payments 101 and, and payments pricing 101. It's another thing for them to bring in a resource who sits side by side or even in our new virtual world, sits virtually side by side with the sales team and helps them address the questions as they're coming up. And and so think about this scenario. If you've got a software sales team and you want to put them into a a payment sales motion, if they can take the question and then immediately turn around to a payments expert, get the answer to the question, understand the context around the answer, deliver it, and then repeat that motion over and over again on every call that they're on today, tomorrow, and next week. The time frame you asked about, now the time frame is, you're talking weeks, a month for that software sales team to now have a level of understanding in order to be efficient and effective in bundling payments into the software solution. Whereas, if you think you're going to deliver one all-in-one payments training in a two-hour conference room with your software sales team, and then they're going to run off and figure it out, you're going to find yourself three, four, five, six months down the road still tripping over yourself. Really helpful insight. Appreciate that. I think 
what I'm hoping people take away is this is a nuanced topic and we'll go deep on here in future episodes, but I want to shift gears a little bit. So let's say, Andy, we're now great at selling the payment offering. At some point, we then need to board them onto the payments product itself, which may be a little counter to it. What is that difference between selling payments and then boarding payments? And how do we drive success in the latter? A portion of the boarding is a part of the sales. And Ian, you know this. So a software and or payment sales rep is going to go through that consultative sales process. And the end user of the business, the merchant is going to make the decision to sign up, so to speak. And the sales rep is going to take them through that online application, that merchant application process. But once that application hits an underwriter, so anybody in the payment processing industry understands every new merchant account has to be underwritten from a credit and risk perspective, that's when it becomes more of an operational consideration. Now, generally speaking, and I can speak specifically inside the four walls of Payrix, you're going to get a majority of your accounts that auto-approve. They're going to pass the checks and balances in order to go ahead and flag that as an approval and and issue a a new merchant account. But when you've got a 10%, 20%, 30% underwriting pinned, now there's an operational motion because the underwriter is going to pin it. You've got to have someone within your software company that understands the whys behind underwriting and risk management within the payments industry, and better yet, the why behind a lot of times the additional documentation or information that an underwriting team may ask you to procure from that prospective merchant. So that's where when you turn from application submission into underwriting and boarding, you now have an operational motion where, again, and it could be the same person we mentioned earlier, bring in someone with payments expertise. You're going to find a lot of payments experts and or payments veterans, specifically on the merchant level sales basis, that understand the whys behind underwriting and risk management and can help facilitate that intermediary process between selling and effectively boarding. Andy, similar question to the selling piece. So let's say the latter feels a little bit more operational is that a dedicated full-time role? I'm sure size depends on this. This is, this is Andy's embedded payment strategy. Perfect world. What do you see in, as it relates to that resource? People slice this a couple of different ways. But when I was, and I talked earlier, my 23 years in payments, the first half of that spent running merchant-level sales teams and divisions. We trained our sales reps in order to facilitate that underwriting pin resolution process I just described. So many times you can leverage the bandwidth and the capacity you already have in place from a software and merchant sales perspective in order to facilitate that. Now, if you said, hey, we want to keep our sales folks selling, I totally get that. That's the other way to slice it. Is it going to take a full-time resource to effectively move deals past an underwriting pinned? The answer is no. You could take an existing operational headcount within your four walls, teach that individual again the whys, the the puts and takes associated with underwriting risk management, and it becomes. And listen, we are we talking ten deals a month, a hundred deals a month, a thousand deals a month? That changes my answer, but I say it's twenty five, thirty percent of their time on a weekly basis, depending on the throughput of your new merchant applications. Is that a uh, day one resource, Andy? So are we thinking? For success here, you really have to identify the selling motion. You need to identify the boarding motion, who's on first base and have them feeling good. Is it something that matures over time? Where have you seen software partners excel in that area? We've talked about two things. We've talked about sales and we've talked about that operational consideration for onboarding. The sales piece is day one. I think a company's missing the boat 
on being able to ramp and compress the time to revenue optimization if they're not bringing in a, a sales trainer, a sales resource, a payment-specific individual that can help accelerate the knowledge base and the acumen of their software sales team. The underwriting operational consideration, the boarding consideration, again, you know, if you're in a crawl-walk-run type of scenario where your throughput is going to be slower at first than it will be down the road, then I don't think it's a day one need to have someone who's just whiz-bang at underwriting and risk management. Now, we've not hit on the back-end service and support piece, so there could be a a combo consideration there for your operational slash payment service and support guru and whether that's a day one type opportunity. But in the context of the first two components of the conveyor belt, that's kind of how I think of it. Well, let's go into that service and support piece. So we've sold them, we've brought them on board, we've got payments going through. Life is so much better as a customer now that I can have embedded payments within that ecosystem. There's going to be questions, whether it's software-related, payments-related. That's service and support, and that's a pretty significant portion to think about. How are the most effective software companies addressing this? You use the word most and you use the word effective and, you know, I'm not without applying humor to it. Most aren't effective. <laughs> okay. And, and that's just being candid here. Most struggle with the back end service and support piece. And the reason they struggle with it is in large in part, if you go back to some of the front end sales considerations, we talked about sales and how important a deep understanding of pricing, interchange dues, assessments, rates, and fees. Well, you get on the back end of a service and support motion and those things come right back into play. So you find a software company who's trying to leverage their existing software support staff, which is great, but yet they did not train that staff on the common or frequently asked questions, inquiries, or issues that they're going to encounter, which tend to be either around pricing, rates, fees, or reporting and reconciliation, or in some regards, kind of feature functionality specific to payments. So it goes back to, did the company dedicate the time and bring in the appropriate resources to give their staff the knowledge to address those inbound service and support needs? Or were they, for lack of better terms, flying by the seat of their pants and just hoping they would figure it out? And then what they get is they get a really rough 30, 60, 90-day launch. And they get a lot of staff members who become somewhat disenchanted with this new payment solution that upper-level executive management is so excited about. So it's as much about serving your end user as it is making sure you're arming your employees and your team members with the information they need to be excited about it and to maintain that enthusiasm for this new solution moving forward. Makes a lot of sense. Are there any other resources here that come to mind that we're not talking about? So we discussed the the front-end sales motion associated with this, boarding the customer onto the payments, and then service and supporting. What else should a software company be thinking about in terms of resources and commitments that they need to think through? We've missed one really key pillar, and that's your development and tech resources. And that's twofold. So you say, we say the term embedded payments. Well, you got to embed payments into the software solution. Embedding payments requires development. And when you get into that dev project, the two things I find that become a challenge are either A, it wasn't prioritized. The development effort to embed payments into the software platform wasn't prioritized. So then we get an elongated and protracted 
implementation cycle. And what you're doing now is you're just burning calories and dollars from a development perspective without actually getting to market with a solution that can be monetized. The second area I see them tripping up on is they don't have developers or product managers that they have any understanding of payments. So they are experts around their software platform, but you're asking them to you know integrate or embed a pretty complex solution being payments. You know, I don't over-dramatize the complexity of it, but it is. There's a, depending on what vertical you play in, the card acceptance environment you have, your end users' needs, there's a lot of nuances to the way that you can implement payments into your platform. And if you don't have someone on staff from a development or product management perspective who's danced the dance with payments and been in the payments industry before, you're really, you're kind of running through a forest with a blindfold on and you're going to hit a lot of trees along the way, so to speak. Andy, as we wrap this particular topic, you talked a lot about how nuanced specifically as it relates to payments this can be. If I'm a software company, where am I going to get the next level of detail here? How do I think about finding someone that, to your point, it's not a three-page PowerPoint deck with some bullets on here's how to sell payments. What are some resources that software companies should consider as they think about sales expertise, service and support, putting all of these pieces? Where do I go? I'm not trying to toot mine or our own horn, but with our Payrix Partner Success Management Team, the average team member's got 12 to 15 years in software and payments. So that's one of our differentiators in the marketplace is to deploy a resource into the partnership that has the knowledge of all the things I've been talking about today. And now certainly they're not going to be the resource that we've alluded to, but they're going to help you understand what you need, where your blind spots are. Other areas, you can go externally into the marketplace. There are a number of really well thought of payments industry consultants, educational forums that you can participate in. The Electronic Transaction Association is a great organization to look into, if not be a member of, in order to get exposure into the payments industry. So again, whether it's tapping the resource here at Payrix on the shoulder and making sure that you're understanding what you need to understand, or if it's going out into the marketplace and looking at organizations like the ETA or others, looking at third-party consultants that are payment-specific. There are plenty, and we've got recommendations on the ones that we've worked with and we've, we trust. I'm happy to make those recommendations. So it's not a lack of resources. You just, as a software company, have to have the willingness, the desire to invest in those resources in order to make life easier you know, moving forward for you. That's a lot <laughs> to think about for everyone here, and I hope you start the need for a multi-part series here. So I think, Andy, today, great conversation around resource commitments to consider. On the next episode, we're going to explore the various stages of growth that a software partner is likely to experience as they're going through this embedded payments journey. So, Andy, first of many to come here, I want to thank you for being on the show today. Looking forward to the series ahead, and thank you for your time. Hey, likewise, Ian, and congrats on your your first official podcast here. I couldn't be more proud to be the and be the first guest that you brought on board. Well, I'm certain that was intentional. I think if there was ever a guest <laughs> that would make me look better, it would be Andy Meadows. So no. Andy, thank you. And look, everyone, we want to be a trusted resource for software providers who are out there trying to make sense of embedded payments and finance to help them get the education they need to make the business decisions their customers and investors are going to thank them for. So thank you everyone for joining our conversation today and look forward to continuing the conversation in future episodes. Great. Thanks everybody. Thank you for joining us today on the PayFAC Embedded Payments Podcast, brought to you by Payrix. For more information about embedded payments, subscribe to our show at payrix.com slash podcasts.